All right, welcome to the podcast, everybody. Today is August 25th, 2022. Welcome to the podcast. Um, in this episode, we're going to be talking about student debt forgiveness that was just released or announced yesterday by the White House and how that impacts the inflation calculation and what investor, what this means for investors. Second topic is, you know, right now the economy doesn't look so good. I just get a feeling that something's about to break. Um, what stocks should you be buying or should you be buying at all? Um, and then the third is NVIDIA. NVIDIA is a company that we talked about previously. Uh, they make, they're a great company, makes, makes GPUs, that's for specialty. Um, they, they just announced um they announced their earnings um so uh, let's let's do a deep dive into into that company all right um let's get going so hari stocks all right before we talk about what stocks people should be buying or not um let's talk about the student debt forgiveness program student debt forgiveness program that was um, that was just released yeah. Um, you know, I think most people um, outside of the U.S. may not know what's going on here, but um, I, I think the student loans um, has is ballooned to like two trillion dollars in debt uh, across the, the nation. And the Biden administration uh, has you know campaigned on this promise like a year and a half ago, two years ago, saying that they would eliminate some amount of student loan debt for people. Um, and I think the, the average amount of student loan debt people had was like somewhere between 20 and $30,000. It may be a little less than that, but um, so they were essentially cutting their debt in half um, and granting people um, a loan forgiveness of about $10,000. So for those of you who don't know all of the mechanics of that, like if you pay your student loans on time, I think after 25 years, the government essentially forgives your loans or 20 years. Um, they are now offering this like even to people who just graduated from college like a year ago. Um, so <clears throat> it's there's no and, and it's basically just income based. So if you make less than one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars as an individual or two hundred and fifty thousand dollars as a family, you are eligible for that. Um, so this is this actually applies to a lot of people who who are temporarily, you know, like I would have fit that category at some point where um, I was a resident making, you know, forty thousand dollars a year and could have gotten student loan forgiveness. You know, even though as a physician, I, my salary could have been, you know, would would be much higher, you know, later after I finished my training. Um, you know, so. As you can imagine, what that does is it, it's going to cost the U.S. You know, it's basically spending three hundred billion dollars, right? Is what uh, it's going to cost the U.S. in year one, and if they do it again, year two, it'll be even higher, uh, is the estimate. So, um, you know, th this is not a like everybody looks at it and says this is like a a win, you know, for people. But when you actually break down the numbers, this impacts disproportionately people in the higher 
socioeconomic group. It's it has very little impact on uh, low income people because they they typically don't even have student loans, right? Yeah. You know what's um, I'm just looking at so student debt. I'm just thinking about the mechanics of this, right? So the government, the U.S. government. Uh, so who actually holds the bag and how, how are they able to just like straight up, just cancel that money? How does it actually work? Yeah, it's, um, what happens is the, in the early two thousands, um, the Bush administration converted, um, student loans from privately backed, uh, you know, your normal bank was issuing student loans at an interest rate that was tied to prevailing market conditions. It got converted to a government uh, run loan and managed and serviced. Um, and all of the loans that were through that program came in at, um, you know, a fixed interest rate of like 6% or something like that. And so the government then has authority to, through the Department of Education, has authority to, I guess, forgive these. I'm not a lawyer here, but um, since it's a government loan, really what is happening is we, the people of the United States, are issuing the loan to uh, individuals, and then we are essentially writing off their, their loan. Like, I'm not getting paid back uh, for the loan I issued, essentially, right? And it's not what I asked for, right? And this is all in the context of, you know, we, that we passed that Inflation Reduction Act, which was supposed to save $300 billion, supposed to save $300 billion. And now you just say, well, we're going to spend $300 billion more, right? That's, that's effectively what it means. Yeah, I think we can take it a couple of different directions, I think. Um, I've heard on an individual level... I think it's I think it's important to look at it from both sides, right? It's like I, I think for me at least, I think it's I think it's the same for you. I think it's easy to look at this and say, uh, what, like what, you know, injustice? Like people who, you know, there is that there is that video going around on Twitter about of this of this of this dad who saved and saved and saved and paid off her daughter's, you know, student loan while, you know, he was complaining to Elizabeth Warren that do I get my money back? Because my friend over there who makes more money than I, he didn't do the right thing and saved and paid down the loan. In fact, he actually borrowed like I did for a student loan and then went on vacations. He never actually paid the money back. And now he's going to get forgiven. What kind of injustice is that? There was this you know, confrontational moment that was captured on video. I thought it, it sort of captured the essence of a lot of the theory that people might feel about this program, right? The sense of injustice. I think it's easy to see that. I, I think also it is also easy to see the other side, which is that like, if you take a charitable view on this, which is that, okay, like people are saddled with all this debt and they can't really be productive because they're just busy servicing these debt. And, you know, it, it's sort of like it's hampering them from going out and, I don't know, spending more in the market. You know, I think that's the charitable view. My I guess my my take on this is that, like, is this at the moment in time right now completely is this necessary? And I also think about it in, in this way, like in the past with COVID, 
like government spending generally, I don't think is categorically bad. I think there is there is good government debt and then there's like really bad government debt. Good government debt is like, you know, if you actually use debt to finance some of these projects that ultimately lead to higher productivity. I think I think that could be a good I think that is a way that government can step in and actually become good and and, and really increase the productivity. Bad debt, on the other hand, is just what happened in the last two weeks or what happened in the last two, three years. Like COVID crisis hits, everyone gets used to the gills with all these stimulus checks. What is that? Uh, where is that money going to? Is it actually going to increasing productivity overall or is it just going to meme stocks? And I think we know the answer. And I think I'm, I'm afraid that this also is is sort of falling in the in the in the second bucket. Like, is this, you know, like the Eisenhower Highway, like like this, you know, increasing the productivity of the country? I don't think this is going to really move the needle. So that's my take on this. And on top of that, you have the inflation pressure. It's just not helping. I'm not sure what's going on. Like, it, it feels like are, are we just are we, are we going to just let the let the printer the printer printer go burr and just you know monetize away all the debt that we have so that inflation number just keeps running and so let's keep keep this train going for another three four years and by the end of that we're going to have massive inflation but in relative terms because the dollar is so much weak or you know the paper money is much less valuable at that point the debt becomes less to you know percentage wise much more smaller to, to GDP. I, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know if there's any plan behind this, but at the moment I feel, I feel that this is, um, this was a mistake. Well, I, I think one of the things that we have to look at as a society is we are spending an inordinate amount of money on college. Right. And, you know, when I went to school, my entire tuition, just my tuition, not my room and board was less than $2,000. Right. And if you talk to most people in, um, you know, prior to like the early 2000s, it, they, they were paying, you know, between 500 to 2000 dollars and they could work. At, you know, in college, they could work and pay off their student, you know, pay for their tuition and room and board and live. And they would come out with maybe minimal debt or, or no debt. Right. And instead, we've now <clears throat> as we've added more freely giving loans to people, all colleges have done is, well, if the government's going to pay for it, I'm just going to raise my prices, right? And so that's essentially what has happened is they've now my same school, University of Texas is around $10,000 a year, which is still, you know, relatively reasonable considering, but some schools are, you know, $40,000 a year, $50,000 a year. And when you consider that like a four-year program, you're taking on like $200,000 in debt, what what value are you providing? Like, are you gaining from that, right? So, I mean, just thinking about it from a, our podcast standpoint, right? Like there's a price and there's value, right? Um, like if I go to uh, school because I'm going to medical school, that's a reason to go to medical, to, to go to college, right? Like I can't do that just by, you know, tackling people and practicing medicine on them, right? Like I have to actually go to school for that, right? But if you're a programmer or you're a, um, 
you know, do you really need to go to college for that kind of stuff, right? Where is the value in, in spending $50,000 a year to basically, you know, bum around, drink too much alcohol, find yourself, and then, you know, end up- Find yourself. You know, like- (laughs) Hilarious. It's not, uh, I mean, it's not really like, I don't think that's a valuable thing for a, you know, somebody like, you know, 18 to 22 years old, right? I mean, I think, I think the point that we should really touch on is, is like how expensive this thing, this whole thing became over the last 20 years. And let me just flash a chart really quick. Cause I think this is, you know, this is, um, is there a way to do this here on, on the platform? I think there is. Okay, here we go. All right. Can you guys see this? I think you can. Yep. Yep. Okay. So this graph, I think, tells so much about what's actually happening. Inflation, it's 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 you know, it's a basket of things. Inflation, if you don't aspire for a good healthcare, good education, you know, uh, good housing, if you just want to watch television and you know have a phone service and live in your mom's basement, like. Inflation is actually not hitting you very hard, right? It's not hitting you very hard. But if you aspire for college, if you aspire for higher education, if you aspire for good healthcare system, it's been really expensive. I mean, look at that chart up there. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, um, we can talk about what, why is it? Like, what is the cost driver for all these things that are going up through the roof? We can talk about that some other time, but I think this is just an important chart to keep in mind is that, okay, some of these programs that, that we're now coming in and, and forgiving, you know, they, they're, they're incredibly inflated and, um, you know, I, this, this is kind of similar to what we talked about in the, in the previous episodes when we, when we said, oh, look, the government is going to give you $8,000 in what the EV credit. And then all of a sudden a couple yeah. A couple of weeks later, Ford turns around and raises their EV F-150 <laughs> sticker yeah. price. I mean, and, and, and this honestly, is, this is exactly what's going to happen to colleges. They're going to turn around and say, oh, let's let's raise the tuition 10K. And it's just it's just going to contribute to this to yeah. this graph. It's hilarious. Well, and, and I, I think the thing is, is that as a society, you have to actually hold like if you get a job, if, if you get a degree in petroleum engineering, right, maybe it's worth paying $100,000 in student or getting a loan in student uh, $100,000 because your average salary is going to be like 100K when you come out and tops out at like, you know, median, uh, like after 10 years, about like 180,000. So if you can get a job making that kind of money, then it makes perfect sense, right? But I mean, if you're you know, if you're getting a job in, you know, you know, basket weaving, then what's the point of, and, and your, your salary is going to top out at $30,000. Why should I give you a loan for a hundred K? Right. Um, Cause I, I, that, that major doesn't work, you know, warrant the long-term, you know, value of this. So, I mean, I, I think that's, you know, we, we can go on about this forever, but uh, to me, this is just, it's a, it's pandering to, um, your base and trying to get people to vote for you 
and not really benefiting the American society. And I think there are a lot of people who are um, who are going to, you know, who never took out student loans who are, or who are very responsible and paid off their loans that um, this is a slap in the face to them. So, yeah, let's move on. Um, okay, uh, let's let's move on to the next topic, which is the title of the podcast. What stocks should you be buying right now? So, you know, I, what I wanted to kind of talk about is, you know, with this uh, topic here is kind of making sure that we have a, like getting back to our original roots on this podcast of like, if I were to design an ideal business, right. That I want to own, I want to have like, what are the, the you know, the criteria that I wouldn't want to own, uh, you know, for, for this kind of market right now, okay? And the way I look at it is I want to have a business that <clears throat> has the ability to raise prices, right, to match inflation, like so that I can, you know, but without having it uh, impact my sales, right? That would be, I think, number one. I would want a business that doesn't have, you know, have an enormous amount of uh, debt to that would, you know, impact me in, you know, it, it, if they have to refinance at a higher interest rate, which because interest rates have all gone up, um, I would want a uh, you know a business that has an you know adamant adequate amount of cash flow that would um, that they could either return to me or put back into the business you know at an above average rate, right? So a highly profitable business like a return on capital of north of twenty percent. Um, and, you know, I would want a business that's run by a company that or, or by management that has, you know, that has my shareholder interest, you know, at, at heart. Right. So, I mean, do you have Maybe anything? Have for a second? Yeah. I would say out of those, the, the one that the two things that resonate with me the most is number one and number two, the ability to raise prices. And then their balance sheet is managed so that they're not paying out of their ass for interest payments. I would say those two things would be like the top two priority for me if I were looking at these some of these companies. Yep. Because in the environment of sort of like the stagflation that we're sort of entering into, right? If you can't raise prices above inflation or to meet the inflation, you're you're gonna get, I mean, it's gonna be a very difficult time. And then, and then also because the interest rate is going up to tame inflation, if the interest rate goes up and you have, you know, a mix of variable and fixed interest and, but you know, you have, you have exorbitant amount of debt on your balance sheet, you're going to be spending a ton of cash just to finance those debt. And that's not going to be good for the business in the low interest times. It was all good. Like it was no problem. The cost capital is so cheap, like no problem. But the, 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 the period that we are, the, we are the, that we find ourselves in right now, I would say those two things are, are sort of paramount. So if, if you are looking at a company that doesn't check those two things off, I would say really, really think, think twice about it. Again, not financial advice, um, not financial advice, but I, I think um, those would be shrewd to, uh, to really think about. Well, you know, of those uh, those four things, though, 
what is interesting to me about them is they're exactly the same things I would expect in a low inflation environment, right? I would want a business that has the ability to raise its prices if, you know, because even in a non-inflationary environment, your supply uh, costs may go up for some reason because of, you know, some shortage of food or whatever, right? I would still want a business that has the, um, you know, capable management um, that is going to look after my shareholder interest that pays, you know, has a large amount of free cash flow relative to its price, right? Um, you know, all of those things are things that I want in a business, regardless of the 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 outcome. And I think, or, or the the, you know, macro environment. And I think if people forget, like, you know, if you look in um, Motley Fool or Seeking Alpha, or you know, that it, it's always ten stocks to buy in this in this environment or 10 stocks to buy right now or whatever. But the reality is it's a, a great business. The macro environment really doesn't matter, right? In a great business, what you're really buying is something that has a, a large moat that can protect it in almost any environment, right? Not no, no business is going to survive in every environment, right? But, uh, but you want it to be able to survive almost every environment. And that's like Walmart is not going to go away, right? Because it has, you know, it's basically in every, you know, city uh, in the country. And, you know, it has the ability to, um, you know, raise prices to, you know, because, uh, you know, people have to shop, they have to buy groceries, they have to buy the things that they need, right? So it's it's always going to succeed in any environment, right? Um, and, and, and that means that you want businesses like that in your portfolio because um, it's going to only protect you in the long run, right? Like over the long haul, those businesses are going to beat the market. And that's what you sh should really be shooting for when you invest in anything, right? Is evaluating that in that lens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's, let's speaking of um, which, you know, what, what stocks you should be looking for. Uh, before we jumped onto the podcast, we said it. Uh, maybe we should look at Nvidia. So, how does Nvidia? You know, there was we did a whole podcast on Nvidia maybe a couple of years ago. Um, how does Nvidia, you know, meet that meet that criteria? You think? So, Nvidia is a very <clears throat> interesting business because. Um, you know, for the last three or four years, they've been riding high on the crypto uh, craze. So their GPUs were um, were being bought in droves by people who had uh, who were doing mining operations and things like that to 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 create crypto. Um, and then when the the crypto crash happened, people stopped buying it. And, you know, if you were if you were buying a GPU just for your game PC, I mean, people were spending well over retail price to get it. Um, and so now what we see is uh, Q2, they they just announced their uh, Q2 earnings here recently um, and their gross margin actually dropped from 67 percent to 46 percent, which if you remember, the gross margin is the revenue minus the cost of goods sold, um, you know. And then you divide that uh, gross profit divided by revenue, right? So essentially, they they lost twenty two, you know, twenty percentage points 
um, were lost. And it was largely because they had to discount their, the prices of their, their GPUs because no one was buying them right at that price. So they essentially dropped price. So on the surface, that sounds like we're talking about a, um, you know, they couldn't uh, raise prices in an inflationary environment, right? But their their problem is not that, right? I, I don't want people to confuse that. The, the, their problem is that they had, for a long time, uh, huge demand. The demand has now decreased. They've got to move on to the next, you know, um, you know, model of, of things to start selling so that, you know, attract the next uh, round of gamers to come and, and purchase, right? Um, you know, the other part of it is, you know, their, their operating expenses kind of went up at the same time. Um, you know, they grew heavily at the same time to, um, you know, for R and D purposes and things like that. So it, it really <clears throat> killed their, uh, earnings per share. But when you think about it from a perspective of, you know, there's nobody else that's competing with them. You know, AMD makes the Radeon line of cards. Uh, and gamers pretty much universally prefer the NVIDIA ones because they're better, more features, that kind of stuff. So they they have essentially a monopoly on this. I think their long-term prospects are going to be fantastic, right? So it's now just a matter of, is it priced correctly, right, um, you know, for purchase? Mm -hmm. Let me quickly uh, share my screen here again, and then we can walk through the numbers really quick. For those of you who don't know, this is our database. It is currently open for anyone to use. Just go to valueinvestor.org. That URL uh, might change, but um, have a look at have a look at it. Uh, we just typed in the ticker. Okay, so let's see. This doesn't have. This is just on an annual basis, so, so it doesn't have the most recent quarter. But you can see this is the top line total revenue. Let's look at total revenue from. Um, last couple of years it's been insane like i mean they tr i mean they they doubled i mean this is you know the crypto yeah, two and a half times from 11 to 26 yeah so it grew what i would like to so so two things right or i guess you know two things at least that i think about is okay are they able to raise prices number one and do they have a reasonable balance sheet so the balance sheet portion of it, so if you look at the debt portion of it, there's about 11, $12 billion of debt. And having debt is just, it's not bad categorically. We just need to, it just needs to be right-sized. So they have 11 billion, $12 billion in debt. Cash, they have 2 billion. But if you look at their cash flow uh, from operation, free, free cash flow, uh, eight billion, um, and then these these are not these are numbers from 2022. Um, I'm I'm not sure when they reported this, but th those are some numbers. So in terms of the balance sheet, uh, I would need to do a further deep dive on this, but it looks again looks pretty pretty healthy compared to. I think I would like the debt to be a little lower, but. Um, assuming that they got it at a very low rate back in 2022. Um, uh, and the free cash flow is enough to cover that. Uh, yeah. And then net income. 
Yeah, they've been growing. Are they doing any stock buybacks? No. Same. Yep. Um, they don't pay out any dividend, or do they? They do. <clears throat> it's small. It's small. But I think the larger point with with that is there since they're still growing heavily i would rather they reinvest that profit back into the business to have mm -hmm. you know future growth and they you know they hit on when crypto was going nuts they were they were really nailing it right right yeah um and so you know you, you benefited from that um you know from that from a management that was able to take care take advantage of that opportunity so mm -hmm. You know, to me, I think NVIDIA is one of those businesses that's, it's a great business. It, it we, you know, it's not necessarily at a great price right now, um, but you've got to kind of pay attention to its valuation and then pay attention to, uh, you know, what, what's happening and, and strike when the, the iron is hot, right? So looking at your entire portfolio and investing and evaluating every business with that, those questions that we just talked about in the last you know, segment is everything to how you do it, you know, you know, how, how you evaluate your portfolio. And it doesn't change whether you're investing now or three years from now in a less inflationary environment, right? It's going to be the same reasons that you would want to, to buy. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. Just one more thing on NVIDIA, because I, like you said, I, uh, this company is, is pretty fantastic i think i think there is a lot of opportunity for this company to grow into something even bigger it's already quite a, quite a sizable company but in the domain of graphics card you know it's a premier a premier company there there is no second best i mean if you know it's almost like monopoly um you know duopoly i suppose um with one being more more dominant sort of like the cart like the like Ma like visa and mastercard sort of situation if you know, I just want to mention one more thing about this company, which is the founder mentality. The founder mentality. I think this is really important to kind of nail home. Is if you look at companies that really run run really well over long duration, it's often that the founder or somebody with like big, you know, lots of skin in the game is still around yep. and actually running stuff. And yeah, and it's it's so important because. Companies that you and I like, they all have this characteristic, which is that founder that started the company or took over and has a lot of lot of stake, you know, skin in the game, influences the direction of the company. Because if you're a higher gun, your job is sort of is to, you know, sort of like run it for like a set period of time and then I don't know, off to the next one. This NVIDIA um, you know, the the CEO there, he's the he's a founder. I think he owns you know, a company this size, you, you know, he owns maybe like two, three percent. Don't quote me on that, but two, three percent of the company of, you know, a, a multi, you know, multi hundred billion dollar company. That's quote, still a very sizable portion. And, and, and beyond beyond just the financials, he you know, there is an emotional attachment to it, to it because he, he started the company and founded the company. So there is a long term strategic thinking behind. It's an easier bet, at least as an investor looking from outside in, if a founder is still with the company, that gives yep. you a lot of reassurance that he's going to be thinking very long term and making the right moves. 
And so that that's another thing that I think um, that, uh, you know, another kind of good point to think about, at least for me, when I think about NVIDIA. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a like we said, it's a good business, great business at a <clears throat> it's the question is, is it a, a fair price? And 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 that's that's the kind of thing you always have to evaluate with everything you're doing. And and what I, what we're trying to get to is really just telling you all the process never changes. Right. You're always looking for the same things, regardless of the macro environment. Like we've we've covered a lot of the macro stuff recently because it's very interesting and it's affected individual stocks. But for the most part, staying on track with what is the value, uh, what is the what is the qualities of the business that uh, that allow it to succeed in any environment are, are the most important aspects of of investments. So, mm -hmm. yeah, great. I have a yeah yeah. We can talk about that some other time. Uh, we we might well, actually we might do a deep dive on Nvidia uh, again. I think that I think there's some things that we need to pay attention to. Sort of our our new exogenous kind of forces that we didn't really consider when we did um, Nvidia as as one of our podcast topics, such as the rising kind of uh, you know fragmentation of the supply chain issues, the Taiwan and you know Nvidia Nvidia I would say is 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 one company that made me realize how freaking complicated this whole thing is. It's insanely complicated. The yep. supply chain issue. You, everyone should, should just take a look at their 10K. Yep. And you get to understand the scope and the just complete sophistication of everything that beh happens behind. Behind the, it's just and, and it's just insane uh, level of <laughs> coordination. Um, anyway, it could be a good topic to revisit uh, soon. If you guys want, uh, drop that in the comment if, if you think that we should do NVIDIA next time for a deep dive. All right. Uh, we, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just before we get off uh, the, uh, the stream here, I, I want to make sure everybody remembers our uh, Slack channels available if you have any questions for us uh, by emailing us at info at valueinvestor.org. And, um, you know, We'd really appreciate it if you liked, uh, comment, and subscribed on the YouTube channel. Um, that helps us with the algorithm, keeps us on uh, on our, um, you know, keeps the podcast growing. So we'd really appreciate that because that'll help us um, uh, keep this moving. And then I think, you know, in the next few weeks, we should hopefully be able to announce some some really big changes here. Um, do you have anything you want to add to that, Becco? No, that's it nothing to add please like and subscribe comment if you would like uh for us to review a company definitely write that down in the chat yep. we, we recovered um last we recovered um uh, davida um, yep. one of the one of the listeners uh, left us a comment there so it does get looked at and we do take those into consideration when we do our podcast so definitely uh, interact with us over over comment with the comment section all right Thanks, everybody. Have a great Thursday. I'll see you guys next week.